0: cheer him on and give thanks and praise to you for having sustained him in the meantime in christ's name amen so we're looking at john chapter 19 from verses 38 through to the end which is 42 john 19 38 through 42. We've read it already, so I will proceed to glean from it uh, that which the Lord has laid upon my heart and mind. And for the title, I've used the words of our Apostles' Creed Crucified, Dead, and Buried. The story of redemption continues where we were last time. Our Lord had just completed his work when he cried out after his anguish of his separation from his father. It is finished. And now the cross is lowered to the ground and the nails are one by one being extracted from his hands and his feet. And the ropes also that tied him to keep the weight of his body from Tearing through his arms and even through his feet We're, were loosened. In verse 38, and after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, he sought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. So, here enters one secret disciple as I will call him Joseph of Arimathea who is he? well a brief thumbnail sketch he is rich according to Matthew he is a member of the ruling council of the Sanhedrin in Israel and so he is a man with standing in his community as well and he is a just and good man morally and ethically speaking looking for the kingdom of god says in another gospel luke's and behold there was a man named joseph a counselor he was that as well like some of us uh, are involved uh, with uh, others that have that need from time to time and he was a good man and a just and i will have you note what is in parentheses in uh, luke 23 50 through 51 the same had not consented to the counsel and deed of them, meaning of his fellow Sanhedrinists. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. Are you waiting for the kingdom of God? Well, actually, the kingdom of God is within you if you have Jesus Christ. But are you waiting for his second coming? It turns out John, who didn't run away like the other Disciples, the other male disciples—that is, the women disciples—were much braver, and, uh, and though they uh, were women and perhaps not subject to the same scrutiny as the men, uh, nevertheless they were brave, and they were there. And so was John, and his gospel is like uh, the gospel of an of a inside reporter who is giving an inside scoop, as it were of what was taking place blow by blow Uh, as I pointed out already in in past messages observe Joseph of Arimathea risking everything by asking Pilate for Jesus' body this is again the secret disciple and thus by John portraying him in a positive light and he does so by including him in his gospel account which the other evangelists didn't do in their accounts. He praised him. He applauded him. Joseph of Arimathea was part of a small minority of the ruling body of the Sanhedrin, as we already noted, who did not consent to Jesus' death. His was a no vote. Now sometimes when uh, they vote it's a secret ballot vote And perhaps that's what it was And that's why he wasn't found out as it were But there was nevertheless Those who disagreed such as him And, and even Nicodemus as we will also see But the important question is this Why? Why? I believe And I, and I, and I hold to this tenaciously is because of the work of Christ in his heart life Edersheim Alfred Edersheim is a converted Jew messianic Jewish convert back in a previous century the 1800s wrote no longer a secret disciple but bold in the avowal of his reverent love he would show to the dead body of his master all veneration he may not have shown his love and veneration his loyalty to his master when he was alive as he i'm sure wanted to but here at the last leg so to speak of, of christ's grace was the opportunity to show his love and loyalty for his lord his master in death and true once he was fearful of the jews but no more now, Joseph dared to get Jesus' body from Pilate. If you turn with me to Mark 15, 43, 45. Mark 15, 43 through 45. Joseph of Arimathea an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. Isn't that interesting, the word the word that is used in the translation, and craved the body of Jesus. He desperately wanted to have the body of Jesus. And Pilate marveled. If he were already dead and calling on to him the centurion he asked him whether he had been any while dead If he had already died some some time ago and when he knew it of the centurion he gave the body to joseph so there it is joseph dared to be a daniel remember daniel there's a, a him dare to be a daniel Dare to stand alone he was standing alone wanting the body of our Lord and Pilate marveled that Christ first of all was spared from a long-suffering ordeal which is not typical because this type of suffering or or execution was probably uh, encompassing days it was one of the longest in terms of duration of executions that man has contrived and come up with. And also he marveled that now there was someone willing to bury Jesus' body. And by the way, this is the same centurion who certified not only to Pilate of Jesus' passing, but who confessed his faith in Christ when he publicly declared to the world, Surely or truly, this man is the Son of God. There is no time to lose if Joseph is to pay his respects to the sacred body of our Lord. The start of the Sabbath was nearly on top of them when all work must cease. They didn't do anything. It was almost 6 p.m. when the Sabbath begins. And in verse 41, now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher wherein was never man yet laid. I know you can't see this, but just do your best to stretch your eyes. But that's probably what it looked like. And maybe this is the actual one. I'm not sure. Pilate, I have a new tomb. Actually, it's my tomb. Close by, it's not far, it's easy to get to, just yay, yonder. And no one yet has been laid in it, not that there's any concern to Pontius Pilate. But let me bury him there, please. Close by, that's the key, because as I said, time is of the essence unlike when my wife and I and uh, Marianne uh, buried uh, their father. Uh, He was, uh, the funeral was in one part of Manila, Quezon City, and to get to the burial site, it took over one hour, even with police motorcade through Manila, traveling through side streets and the like. Joseph's is a very expensive sepulchre, like some mausoleums that you see of the rich and the famous. You know what I'm talking about, I'm sure. And it actually is designed to take more than one body. It's like a cave. It could be for a married couple, such as Joseph and his wife. and If they have children, even for them. So it could be uh, something for the whole family. And so Perhaps in the mind of Joseph, he was thinking, what an honor this would be to be buried in the same tomb as my Lord. But we know that that was not to happen. In verse 42, there lay they Jesus therefore because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh or near at hand. And so Joseph, with the help of others, carefully and yet quickly carried Jesus' body probably on a beer something that we do with our, our dead, to the new garden tomb, hewn in the rocks. Now, upon entering the door of this tomb is this large room. It's like nine by nine square feet. And so that's where they deposited the, the beer that carried his body. And there, the bearers, first led by Joseph, began the actual preparation for his burial verse 40 then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury Joseph wrapped Jesus body with what would be like long bandages of uh, clean linen cloth rather than a shroud to put over the body or clothes and unlike the Egyptians or even our present-day embalming there was no mutilation of the body at all that's how they preserved the integrity of their dead they didn't believe in burning at all in fact burning was relegated to those who were criminals that were uh, that were executed and it would be in one of the gates called the gate for the dung heap where there was fire continually burning that represents the fires of hell, Gehenna. Next enters another secret disciple, Nicodemus, verse 39. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night. Notice how his visit with Christ at the onset of his ministry, his used as a means of identification. uh, Actually, in John 3, 1 through 2, John relates that incident to us. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews. He was a Pharisee as well as one of the Sanhedrin. I, I think all of them were Pharisees, I think, but I'm not positive. I take that back. I don't take all the word, but he was, and he was a ruler. Perhaps someone that was the president of the Sanhedrin at one point. The same came to Jesus by night. Said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles without doest, except God be with him. You can hear him whispering that, or speaking off somewhere where no one else can hear getting this off of his chest because he can't but confess what he knows as we believe in our hearts so speak we, the Bible says and so he spoke but why at night? well, for the same reason as Joseph of of Arimathea so as not to be seen by his fellow Jews for Jesus was already at that point a marked man and so Nicodemus too was a secret disciple you've heard of things like secret admirer you know, the secret sister society whatever those things are but but this is of course uh, something far more important this has to do with being a follower of Jesus Christ if you're a follower of Jesus Christ you either confess him or you don't and Being mealy-mouthed and not confessing him is not being a confessor. You have to ask yourself that question. Am I confessing Christ? Or am I being like Nicodemus when he wasn't yet confessing the Lord? While that may have been then, that is not what he is now. Now, just to be uh, uh, fair, uh, we need to recall one incident found in John seven fifty through fifty two that speaks in a commendatory way to Nicodemus. So, turn there too, if you will, to John seven fifty through fifty two. Nicodemus saith unto them, "This is speaking about his fellow rulers or Sanhedrin members." He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, see what I mean. Doth our law judge any man before it? Hear him, and know what he doeth. He answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And so it's true that Nicodemus defended Christ before his fellow Sanhedrists, but more on the basis of their bylaws, I will say, and not because of who Jesus truly is, and that is the Son of God, the fulfillment of their various scriptures, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. But now here's one last, final opportunity for Nicodemus to display his love Praise the Lord. And verse 39, it goes on to say, Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Now, I don't know if uh, the weight, a hundred pounds, is the same back when the King James Bible was written, uh, as it is today. I didn't check that information out, but in actuality, it's only around 65 pounds of this fragrant mixture of myrrh, resin, and aromatic sandalwood powder and this is what they concocted this is their way of dealing with the dead and actually covering and masking the odor that they anticipate from a decomposing dead body in this case of our Lord with this with these fragrant spices and that's a lot of spices by the way and it's very costly like what was done by one woman in lavishing this costly, fragrant uh, perfume on Jesus' feet. But Nicodemus is well off, and more importantly, the saying, he who has been forgiven much loves much, and he who loves much gives much. Like our Lord Jesus Himself, who loved His friend Lazarus so much that He chose to give Him His life back when He had been dead for four days, He raised Him from the dead. In fact, I remember that uh, one, and I can't remember who said, when Christ tasked someone to task them to roll the door—that is, the stone door—from the cave. Where he was housed, where his body was, the sepulchre, that one said, Lord, he has been dead six day, four days, and he stinketh, as the words of Scripture. With regard to the issue of their anticipating Christ's bodily decay and the ensuing odor, if you recall from our responsive reading of Psalm 16 and and then also what I'm about to read from Acts 2, you will see that this was not what Jesus anticipated at all. Peter recalls this at Pentecost in Acts 2, 36 through 38. Acts 2. 36 through 38. Actually, it's 26 sorry Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life meaning you have given me back my life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Wow. Father, you will not leave me in the grave and neither will you permit your holy son to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy with your confidence when I see you again face to face. And by the way, that uh, material that Nicodemus contributed is a very sticky substance that helps the cloth to adhere to the body of our Lord. And so when he would later come forth that would have to literally be peeled off of his body. For Joseph and Nicodemus, their brave effort to provide a decent and proper burial for their Lord was commendable. It was the least that they could do for their Lord who gave his life for them on the cross for their sins. It would be like the flowers that we give, that we put on the casket when it was being lowered into... The grave or at the gravesite of that loved one Mary Magdalene and Mary mother of Joseph were two that stood outside of that tomb at a distance watching and noting the location especially for their return the next day the great stone that covered the hole would be rolled back and there would even be a subsidiary stone as well and then later the Jewish authorities would attach a seal to it at the entrance as a precaution against any breaking an entry, because they didn't want this to go any further than that. I leave you with two thoughts, and one is this. The purpose why Jesus was buried for three days. Our Heidelberg Catechism in question 41 asks, why was he Buried. Remember? Crucified, dead, and buried. Simple. Simple answer. To show thereby that he was real dead. (laughs) If you've been in that tomb and you had no water and no food for three days, more than likely you you would perish. So they wanted to make sure that he is dead and not just for the sake of the enemies of Christ, but For the sake of the truth and the glory of God now regarding Joseph of Arimathea's faith as I said earlier what an honor for Joseph if he had the privilege of being buried there alongside of his Lord in the same tomb but perhaps what had happened as the Sabbath continued on after they had our Lord's body and had actually buried him he recalled and reflected upon the prophecy of our Lord regarding his finished work for example in mark 8 that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise and this was repeated more than once. Enough so that the disciples of the Lord would get the message. Now whether they recall it immediately or later is another question, but, but eventually all did. If you remember the two disciples on the road to Emmaus were reflecting themselves as they were walking along the road and then here appears Christ, incognito. And the Lord's, speaks to them about why this, the sad faces and and the reply was, well, this was supposed to be the day that our Lord rose from the dead. And we don't know if he rose from the dead. They were can I say beside themselves with concern because this is this is the hope of Israel. this is the hope of mankind rolled up in one person. And that is Jesus Christ the Son of God. Is it possible that Joseph knew his tomb was a borrowed tomb borrowed in the sense that his stay would only be temporary that Jesus body would be there a very short three days because he believed in his Lord's resurrection they're what I call evidentialists. you know what the term means those who are looking for evidence in the scriptures either to believe upon the lord or to defend the lord such as when thomas required evidence of the resurrection when he said i will not believe until i take my fingers and put it in the holes in his hands and my fist in his side because the hole was so deep and penetrating that you could literally do that and if you recall blood and water came up with substantiated his instantaneous death there are those like Thomas who don't believe but there are also those like Joseph who do our Lord said to Thomas because you have seen me you believe but there'll be those who will never see me and yet will believe now it's true Joseph Touched him, our Lord. He handled the word of life. But keep in mind this, and that is not his living. Not yet. Not yet. But thankfully, God works in all of his elect people because he cares for us all. These are written, said John in conclusion of his gospel, which which is coming up quickly, that you might believe. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. John Matthew 29 to 31. And so concludes the account, though brief, nevertheless, essential of the burial of our Lord. And next we will proceed on to the resurrection. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we are so grateful to have this opportunity to reflect upon your passion and not just your passion in the sense of your passion to do the will of your father, which indeed is everything, but your passion in your sufferings and in your sufferings, the death uh, pertaining to and surrounding the death of the cross. And Lord, that includes your burial because That is one of the saddest experiences of our lives is the death of a loved one. When they are no longer with us, when they are departed from us. And so you were, though, for those brief three days. But thank you, O Lord, that, that it doesn't end there, neither for you. And because it doesn't end for you, it does not end there for us who are saved. So we praise you. We give you thanks for your burial. As hard, as difficult as that is. And we rejoice rejoice even as we do over the burial of those believing loved ones and friends that we celebrate. When you you celebrate, uh, when you come to the funeral and remember remember them in their death, you remember them in their life. And we remember them in death. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.